Greetings, fellow CWC fighters. <laughs> Can you feel the excitement in the air? Encounter Quest and Paracon are almost here. And let me tell you, they're going to be more epic than a dragon riding a freaking motorcycle. But <laughs> don't wait too long to grab your tickets, my friends. These events are hotter than a jalapeno pepper in a sauna. And you don't want to be left out in the cold. Brr. <laughs> and hey, if you're itching to meet some of the coolest cats in the game, Drewski and I will be at Paracon. That's right. We'll be there in all of our glory, ready to high-five, fist-bump, and share some serious laughs. So, come on down, and let's make some memories that will last longer than a Twinkie and a Fallout shelter. We also just added another way to share your encounters. Head over to the show notes and click on the link to record your experiences. And this can be done on your phone, tablet, or computer. And if you have a story or encounter, shoot us an email or a detailed voice message to cryptidwarfare at gmail.com. That's C-R-Y-T-T-I-D-W-A-R-F-A-R-E at gmail.com. All right, we are live. All right, everybody, welcome to Cryptid Warfare and Conspiracies. Um, I'm Z-Baby. What's going on, guys? I'm Drewski. Guys, we... Go ahead, go ahead, Z. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I am freaking so super stoked. I have heard this guy on several podcasts over the years um, and have his book. So, and he knows quite a bit on the Genesis 6 conspiracy. So, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's pretty cool. I'll let, I'll let Z baby, I mean, sorry, Drewski jump on in. See, that's hey, how excited I am. <laughs> hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, guys, like I said, we got a very uh, special guest on here, Gary Wayne. Uh, I've learned a lot from this guy. He definitely opened up my mind when it comes to the whole Genesis 6 and all that and the Nephilim um but yeah uh gary dude we are glad you're here brother uh we appreciate you taking the time to come on here and just to chill out with us and to talk uh yeah man i appreciate it thanks well so happy to be here and thank you for inviting me and looking forward to talking to you and talking to your audience and hopefully uh if we do our job right we'll uh, raise a few eyebrows out there because that's, <laughs> that's always what we're trying to do so yeah <laughs> Yeah, and and real quick, word on the street is that you are coming out with a sequel. I am, I am. So, and I said I would never write a, a sequel, and I've got another book <laughs> I set aside. But you know, the thing is, is that I didn't, I, I didn't properly, I guess, measure or anticipate that Christians would want so much more information. I didn't realize the thirst for information taught in the Bible or not taught in the Bible is a better way of doing it was something that people would want to go super deep on. So I, I decided to put the, the the second book that I had started aside and, and, and do a sequel. So it's going to be called Genesis 6 Conspiracy Part 2, How Understanding Prehistory in Giants Helps to Discern end time prophecy so wow, it's uh, going to cover it's it's interesting because i do a lot more prophecy in the book obviously and i'm going to take the 
things that people need to know for the, the particularly the allegories and the players that are being talked about in prophecy and connect that back to prehistory and completely define them. But I also go very, very deep for Christians, and it's it's a book specifically targeted at Christians this time versus the other book that was targeted at all groups of people to try and see the commonalities and maybe give the Bible a look based on things that they probably didn't think that was in there. So this book is, it's going to go deep into the giants in the Bible and in a way that there nobody's done before. It's going to go and talk about all the different kinds of giants. I'm going to tra- trace those giants back to their patriarchs. I'm going to cover off the angelic hierarchy, how that fits in. I'm going to cover off Mount Hermon, the assembly of the gods, and how all of that fits in. And I'm also going to cover off two other aspects, which I think was two areas that people were really, really looking for, other than the prophecy side, because they really want to get their hands around the prophecy side as well. But in terms of the patriarchalist tribes, like the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, uh, the nine tribes of Canaan who don't have a patriarch, the only ones in the table of nations who don't have a patriarch, those are the hybrids. They intermarried with the giants, the Raphaim and other tribes, and I'll trace them back to their patriarch as well. And then I go through in a section just with the giant wars. So I cover some of that off, but sort of briefly in the first book, but I go completely through the war of giants. I go through the war at Rephidim, Uh, as they come out of uh, Egypt, Israel, that is, in the time of the Exodus. And these are all giant wars. Uh, I'll cover the Battle of Athronim. I'll cover the Eastern Campaign. I'll cover the Ah, Central and Southern Campaign. I'll cover the Northern (laughs) Campaign. I'll cover the Mountain Campaign that reaches back into the South. I'll cover the Wars of the Judges because those are giant-related wars as well. And I'll take those wars right through to King Saul and all the wars of King David and some of the overlap of the dregs that Solomon has to deal with. So I cover all of the giant wars. That is going to be awesome. Okay, okay. So (laughs) when when do you think this book is roughly going to be at? What do you think? Uh, I, I have the sample chapters in front of the, the publisher and uh, we're ironing out the details to the contract. I, I want to stay with the first publisher because I'm, I'm pretty loyal. Um, so providing we can work those details out, which I'm sure we will. Um, they're excited to, 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 to have the opportunity to do it as I am. And so... I need to get a final first uh, edited copy to them, edited on my end. So I've gone through it several times. I'm doing my last read on it, and then it's off to them. And then so it gets into their publishing queue for their editing, their marketing. And I'm hoping for second quarter, maybe late second quarter. But it'll be out third quarter, probably latest, because they're business people. So they know my book continues to sell. It's sold, it's sold for six straight years for them, and it sells a little more every year. So it's a consistently good seller for them. So typically, you kind of go with products that you know you're going to be able to sell. So I think they're going to probably put me in the queue, maybe move me up rather than, let's say, six months or nine months down the road. So Yeah, they're probably going to get you out as quick as they can because they know. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Yep, yep. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, let's let's get into it. Um, Z, got any questions? 
Man, I have a lot of questions, but um, I mean, it would probably be a lot of rabbit holes right now, early on. I don't want to scare anybody away, um, but um, I don't know if it was in your book or if I heard about it, but um, like uh, Hercules and I don't yeah, know, all, all these other like gods, I believe that they were reference. Uh, I don't know, they were somehow related to the Nephilim if they... Yeah, if it, those... it, I believe it's in chapter two. Because right? it's been a while since I've read the book, but... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Hercules is a very, very, very good subject um, in terms of helping people understand the whole idea of giants and the idea that this is a worldwide phenomena that's in all cultures on all continents uh, around the world, except for Antarctica. And who knows what we'll find there? That's, uh, uh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you look uh, at Hercules, he's probably named after an antediluvian giant probably by the same name or Heracles is is kind of another version of the name and so in, in the second book I'm going to get into what I call the parent gods and the offspring gods as well because it's really important to understand prehistory chronology and when you're reading all of this secular information and all this polytheist information as you're researching these types of things whether it's mythology or ancient history you have to understand when the flood was and you have to understand what set of gods were ruling during there so bef the time before the flood you have the offspring gods whom heracles was actually one of those gods um and would have probably produced giants as well and probably named one after himself it's very common like gilgamesh for example to have a giant before the flood and after the flood and where i come by that and I'll just explain the one example is in the Epic of Gilgamesh, he is created by Nin or Nin's son, the mother goddess, and Lugalbanda, the king of Uruk. And Gilgamesh becomes the king of Uruk. So he's created after the flood. And he is uh, two-thirds god and one-third human. So we know he's, he's a giant. Mm -hmm. But there's another Gilgamesh that's recorded in the Book of Giants, the Enochian Book of Giants. And he is introduced and finds out about the dreams and that some of his compatriots are having and they're so concerned about the coming flood, but he doesn't survive the flood. This is a different one and we have a creation story for him. So it's common to have giants named after, after the flood that were named before the flood. So after the flood, you have the offspring gods. The offspring gods take over from the parent gods. And in polytheism, they have a war and they kill to immortal gods, but you can't do that because that's an oxymoron. So mm -hmm. what's going on here is the parent gods who create the original giants before the flood, they go to the abyss for their crimes. Yep. The offspring gods, just like in an army, the host, the rebellious host, the Saba, the angelic army, the rebellious ones, they have rank and order. They move up and take over. So Zeus is the son of Kronos and Gaia. He's an offspring god. And the Olympian gods are all offspring gods of the parent gods. And it's Zeus who is going to create uh, a giant through Alchemini um, or Alcimi, depending on how you want to pronounce the C in that name. Um, he's, they're going to produce the demigod Hercules, who's a giant and a hero. So in some of the English translations, you're going to hear, uh, that, you know, read in Genesis 6, 4, that the Nephilim were you know, men of renown and, and heroes of old. And so hero was thought to be a common name for the giants. 
Um, in this case, they're also known as Titans, Titans of the earth versus Titans of the heaven. So Hercules mm -hmm. is an offspring God after the flood. So he, that's why we get, when we look at his uh, exploits, we have to understand why people are aging that to, let's say somewhere between 1500 BC, sometimes even 1200 BC to 2000 BC. It's probably more like about 23 or 2400 BC, but mm -hmm. it's, it's an after the flood uh, event where Hercules is created. So just like Theseus is created from Zeus, uh, Perseus is created from Zeus. Poseidon is another offspring god who Iapetus would have been his counterpart on, on the other side of the flood and probably inherits the, as, as taking over the same position, the mythos of Iapetus. So Poseidon through uh, Clido is going to create 10 um, demigod kings for the Atlantean empire. But Iapetus also creates giants before the flood as well with Clymene, uh, another uh, human daughter. So this is a very, very common event that's going on in prehistory, in Greek history, both before and after the flood. And it's the same story that's talked about in Genesis 6, 1 through 4. The part, okay, the part that was, that really blew my mind was, I think it was in chapter, yeah, I think it was in chapter 3, chapter 2, where it talks about Hercules, um, where it says Hercules is also famous for slaying the dragon. And basically his quest for the golden apples, a.k.a. tree of life, and granted immortality, which was located in the garden of Hesperides, a.k.a. Eden. Like, that just... Sure. And then it talks about Jason and the Argonauts and the Golden Fleece. And the whole time, Gary, I was just like, boom, boom, boom. My mind's just being blown. Like, I literally had to take breaks. Yep, I did too. Yeah, because it's, it's just too much information coming oh, at you. I forgot my yeah, name at like, some point, or my yeah, name is doesn't stop. <laughs> it doesn't stop. Man. Well, and and, like, and, yeah. and then when you think about that, you know, because you know Jason's a, a, a Nephilim or a Raphaim uh -huh. as well. Um, th this starts to make some sense that you know he's yeah. trying to get back their immortality that was ended in Genesis six three. Uh, in, in a giant story and you know the golden fleece that's is uh, a very interesting uh, mythology to that as well golden fleece was the the material that was made for the gods to wear on earth that would preserve their earthly bodies when they took uh, earthly form and mm -hmm. so the giants wanted to have that golden fleece as well because they didn't want their bodies to die and become disembodied demons, right? So yep. <laughs> it starts to make some sense on these stories. And of course, when they're searching for the tree of life, they're trying to get their immort immortality back. When they're slaying a dragon, you don't know whether or not that might be like a flying hash or, or something like that, or it's a dragon serpent angel, right? A seraphim yeah. <laughs> they're a trying seraphim, to slay. That's right. I know that's crazy. I was listening to uh, oh god, I forgot who it was, uh, Derek Gill or something like that. They were talking. They're breaking it down like you know, like seraphim or like a reptilian, like reptilian kind of. Yep, six winged serpent faced yeah. angel. It's a yep. heavenly dragon, and that word yep. in in uh, Greece in Greek uh, is uh, drakont and drakonta, and it yeah. means watcher. Yep, and that's where we get the watchers from. <laughs> That's crazy. 
Yeah, and and we get the word watchers in the Bible too, in Daniel mm-hmm. four four times. Then it goes back to the Hebrew word ayir, and that's the Hebrew word for uh, for a watcher angel, and it means to watch, and it comes. It's rooted in another word that means to stay awake. And it's the watchers that are described in the book of Enoch as always being awake around the throne. And that's the four groups of the uh, archangels, uh, the cherubim, the seraphim, and they name uh, the Ophanim. And of course, people always they always get a hold of me and say, well, who are the Ophanim? And we actually get that biblically, but we don't get it properly done in the English translation. So in Ezekiel 1, 3, and 10, when it's talking about the uh, God, the vision of God's chariot, and you've got the cherubim, as in the Psalms, who pull the chariot in this, in this allegorical vision, and you have uh, these angels that are in the wheels, and one of them has the face of a cherubim. So the cherubim has four faces, um, and none of them are called a cherubim, unless there's a different name. Uh, that's one specific, but I mean, they have a, a, a bull face, they have a lion face, they have an eagle face, and they have a human face. But this angel has a face of a cherubim, and it's four-faced as well. We don't get the descriptions, but it's a four-faced. Um, well, we do, actually, and one of them is a, a cherubim, I'm sorry. Um, but I digress. So these beings, what it's referred to that are in the wheel as opposed to the wheel, the word for the wheel is Gilgal. In Hebrew, which is like Gilgal Raphaim, the wheel of the giants. This is that uh, ancient sacred site of polytheism at the foot of Mount Hermon. But the angels are called Othan in Hebrew. And you put the I am male plural on there and you get the Ophanim. So what that does mm. is speak to some of the veracity that the book of Enoch has to that it actually did go back to a Hebrew manuscript at one time. Yes, man. Oh, <laughs> okay. My brain's catching up. Sorry. <laughs> I, I get okay, on some so, rants sometimes. I'm sorry. No, I love it. Like, this is amazing. Like, I'll let you ask the next question, Drew. I mean, because I have another one. I forgot what it was. My brain is still catching up, FYI. Uh-oh, I think it booted him out by mistake. Yeah, we're, we're down a man here, so. I'm right here. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> turn the camera off, yeah. so we can't talk about you. <laughs> oh, hey, turn me yeah, back on. So, man. so if you think about this angelic order, I mean, we've just talked about the Watcher angels, right? And there's yeah. many more angels. I mean, there's one group of angels that are messengers and things, but you know, you have ones that are the mighties. These are the. Um, uh, ones that have a special strength in, in, in within the army. You have ones that are called the powers as they're translated into English, but typically powers can be translated in English into two different kinds. So you have excusia and dunamis as two other orders. You have principalities and rulers that are arche, which is the root for archon. Um, you have all of these different orders of angels that have specific functions within the army and it's important to understand that because the rebellious army has angels from every order as well. And it's a counterfeit Saba or a counterfeit host that is part of that ruling order that rules through the council of the gods recorded in Psalm 82. 
uh, and rule over the 70 nations as accounted for in Deuteronomy 32, both before and after the flood. So the 70 sons created 70 nations from Adam before the flood. Just as you get the 70 nations listed in Genesis 10 and First Chronicles after the flood, except for nine that aren't named. Those are the patriarchless Canaanite tribes, even though Canaan, Seth, and uh, Sidon are named. Uh, and Raphaim are the post-Diluvian giants. And I, and I spend my time on the post-Diluvian giants in the second book. And Rapha shows up in the Old Testament 25 times. Um, uh, but it's not always translated as Rapha. We only get Raphaim translated two times. Uh, it's translated in Genesis 14 in the War of Giants as a tribe of Raphaim. And then in Genesis 15 in the land that Abraham is going to receive. They're part of the mighty 10, as I like to call them, um, that occupy parts of the land between the Nile and the Euphrates. So when you see giant most of the time in the Bible, except for four times, it's going to go back to the word Rapha and Raphaim. Uh, the only four times where it doesn't show up as, as Rapha, it is in Genesis 6-4 where it's Nephilim. And Numbers 13-33 where the Anakim are called Nephilim. Um, and that's it says that twice in Numbers 13.33. And then in the book of Joshua, it has Gibberim translated as giant once. Get ready for some monster-sized entertainment with no pesky ads. Subscribe to our cryptid podcast for just a few coins a month and listen to all the spooky tales of the unknown creatures in commercial-free bliss. It's like having a personal Bigfoot guide without all the foot odor. So, what are you waiting for? Get your subscription now and join the hunt for the truth today. Link in the show notes. So the Anakim, just for the record, that's part of the uh, embellished report where they're called Nephilim or the children of the giants, a.k.a. Hebrew Nephilim. They're actually rooted back to Raphaim after the flood as they're just as they're defined in Deuteronomy 2, just like the Emim are giants, Raphaim, just like the Zamzazim are Raphaim. And. They actually have a patriarch that's named in the Bible in the book of Joshua twice, and his name is Arba. Okay. And he is the patriarch, but he's not in the he's not in the table of nations. Because hmm. Raphaim patriarchs are not listed in the table of nations. So that's why you don't have patriarchs for nine tribes of Canaanites, because uh. They have a Raphaim patriarch. So the Amorites who are blonde hair and blue eyes. They would have been a offspring of an Anakim Raphaim because they're likely because they were uh, red haired and blue eyes, whereas the Horim were red hair and hazel eyes. So again, if you start to, once you start to dig into things in the Bible, it starts to answer a lot of loose questions. So if you look at like the Cadmonim. Uh, or I'll, I'll, I'll call them by how they're listed in, in the Bible. I like to put I am on, um, not on giant uh, uh, nations as opposed to hybrids or humans. And uh, so everybody says like ites, and I'm going, well, be careful with ites, calling them all giants because the Israelites weren't giants. So yeah, be careful yeah. with that one. <laughs> yeah, they were. They were pretty small. <laughs> yeah. So. You have uh, the like the Kenites, the Cadmonites, and the Kenizzites, uh, and I talk about them in the first book with no 
it's not that they're not listed in the table of nations or at least in a chronological order that makes any sense because Kenaz, whom most people say that the Kenites would come from, they that name shows up as a patriarch well after the tribe is well and alive beforehand, and it's akin to the Amalekites in the War of Giants in Genesis 14, their patriarch yeah. uh, from Timna and Eliphaz, and Timna is a female Horim giant that Eliphaz, son of Esau, marries into to create the hybrid Amalekites. Well, that's, you know, that's like, you know, 22 chapters after the giant wars. It's hundreds of years after that. And there's no way that can be the patriarch for the people that were described in Genesis 14. So you, you start to understand, well, the Malachim, were indeed a race of giants that lived more in the east and in the Petra area. They're the post-Diluvian renovators or founders or builders of the city of Petra, whom the Amalekites will go and live amongst once they're they're created through Timna and Eliphaz. <laughs> wow. Um, I want a little, little tip of what we... I yeah. cover off in the book, in the new book. Ah, <laughs> uh, guys, you heard it here. <laughs> okay, okay, so let's. Uh, okay, so let's definitely go on like the cliff notes part. Um, because I, I was getting a lot of questions at work about, basically about like the Genesis six and, you know, the Watchers coming down, taking the women and all that, and yeah. they didn't really, you know, because they're like, well, some of them were like, well, we didn't know angels can physically have sex with women and um i was like well so well when it comes to that angels could transform it basically in anything they want am i am i right yeah so most people look at what because i mean let's face it accepting the idea that giants are born from fallen angels and human beings and they created these demigods i mean this i mean it's like who wants to deal with that? I know when I first started doing research on, on the Bible and I was more interested in the prophecy side, I got to Genesis 6, read about the giants and said, I'm not ready for that. That's not what I'm here to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they keep coming up. That's the problem. But yep. yeah, so I understand why it's a, it's a difficult concept. But we do get examples in the Bible that angels show up in human form. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in the book of Genesis, and in fact, in the time of Abraham, Lot. both the, the angel of the Lord and two other angels show up in human form. They're not recognized at first as angels, but they're in bodily form. They talk, they touch, they eat, they drink, they can function. If you can create a human body, and these are the same two angels that go to a Sodom to judge Sodom. They want and people want to have sex with them. So are they wanting yeah. to have sex because it, with with the men, or do they want to have them change into a human to create more giants, or do they want to have a human female mate with them? It's hard to know once you start to get into some yeah. of the details. Or maybe it was both they were demanding. I mean, we don't really know. But what we do know is is that the angels can take a physical body. If you can take a physical body, you're going to create DNA. Because you're, yep. it, it's required, right? Yep. Um, and so that's called an oiketarian uh, in Greek. So in mm. Genesis, or not in Genesis, in Jude 1.6, uh, 
it talks about these impassioned angels who left heaven. They left their habitation. That's the Greek word oiketarian. And oiketarian means a dwelling place for the spirit. So they left the heavenly realm where they have a heavenly dwelling place for the spirit. And they can be in the physical world, but they can't interact physically unless they have a habitation here in oiketarian. We get in 2 Corinthians uh, 2, 2 Corinthians 5, 2, the only other time in the book where oiketarian is used, but it's used in, in, in a couple different forms as you go through the first few verses there in, in 2 Corinthians 5. But the specific word is house in heaven is the word oiketarian. So we get two examples of that as being a place or a dwelling place as a habitation and a house in this particular case where the spirit lives. And so they need a soul and a body, which is of the physical world. The yep. spirit comes from heaven and it goes back <clears throat> to heaven when you die. And so that's spirit merges with the soul. And that's the oiketarian. And once you do that, you create the DNA. And we know they have that changeling quality, just as we talked about. And there's lots of other examples where they come in in different types of forms. Um, and they pass on that DNA. And they pass on that DNA, they pass on traits. Some are you know, originally with immortal spirits, right? Uh, some might be the size that they're passing on. Other gifts like perhaps healing powers, like they're thought to be self-healing and very difficult to kill. So you have to yep. take them at the head and do it just suddenly. Like, well, just like David did after he killed Goliath, he went it, and he slayed exactly. his head. Yeah. And, you know, in the Egyptian uh, belief system that the giants... And the royales, because they're the royales, the worst death they could have was beheading. Because it didn't permit them in the afterlife to go in as prepared that they wanted to be. And it didn't give them a choice of getting to what would be their heaven, which is Hades or Sheol uh, in the underworld. So that means they're going to go to one of two places. One is if they're one of the terrible ones, another group that I cover off in um, in the new book, that's the Hebrew word erit or eretim. These are the ones that are talked about in Ezekiel 32 who are slain, beheaded, because of the horrible, terrible things they did while they were on earth as kings. And they're talking to Pharaoh in this prophecy from the, from the abyss, from the sides of the abyss prisons that they're in, alongside their, some, you know, many of their uh, parent gods. And so these... Uh, beings had the ability to self-heal so if you didn't kill them in a way that was so quick and destructive they, they could heal themselves and we kind of get that within the definition of Rafa uh, of Raphaim so Raphaim has three or four different variations to it I'll deal with three because it's just I won't go down too far down the rabbit trail so you have 7497 which is Rafa as the singular Raphaim as the as the male plural and that means a tribe of giants, right? Or a giant. Yeah. Yeah, 7496 um, is the same spelling. And it means a demon spirit, a shade, a ghost, words like that. Both 7497 and 96 are rooted in the source word 7495, which means healing, 
or medicine or a cure. So if you get a name, let's say like Raphael, one of the angels that are talked about in the King James Version Apocrypha or in the Book of Enoch, that would mean like God heals or uh, the healer of God, right? Yeah. And so that's partly where this healing title and 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 meaning comes from. So now if we roll that into the Ugaritic text where the Raphael, which is the Semitic root word for Raphaim, these are the kings, these are the the heroes, these are the giants, and they're also healers that can not only heal themselves, but can heal others. Uh, and all of a sudden you just start to, things start to sort of come together. And this is the, the group of giants that are created by Baal and Ashtaroth, whom they're doing fertility rituals to, to have them come back to create more giants. But because unlike the Nephilim before the flood, they have a fertility issue. And so in that definition of Erit and Eritim, they are also not, you know, they're called strong and terrible and powerful and all the words to describe a giant, but they're also described as childless and having fertility issues, which is why they're going to need to intermarry after a while to to save their race and so they start to create uh, hybrid races to carry that that bloodline on with (laughs) you're right zuck it just reminds me of a lot of um god just basically on how like the dna structure and everything is and with what's going on now just you know how it says in revelation it's going to be just like the days of noah and you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, the days of Noah, it was bad. There's a lot of murdering and stuff and going on. But the point they're not getting to is that, yeah, of course that was all going on. But there was also Nephilim and giants running around on the earth and fallen angels and stuff and mixing and mixing like DNA and all that. And you see a like right now, it basically just has like a different bumper sticker on it right now. Um, you got government agencies that are already doing that, like cross breeding like cross dna stuff like that and just creating abominations in my opinion it is and i think we're just catching up to the technology they had before the flood oh because they're obviously able to do this if you look at the secular accounts and if we just want to look at what we can touch and feel we can't build pyramids like they do like they did in the past we can't build machu picchu we can't build most of these ancient facilities to the degree of accuracy to the sacred geometry that's in there to move those huge blocks to make them have astronomical alignments and even at the equinoxes and (laughs) and and, and now to me doesn't it doesn't with all that doesn't relate to like the seven sacred sciences it does. It does. Yeah. I mean, it's all sort of related to that, which we would understand as the seven liberal arts today that is taught in universities mm-hmm. uh, in degrees that they do ha- that they have in mysticism or secret society. Yes, you- that blew my mind <laughs> when I was reading that. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they, they have at least not in the newer universities, but the older ones were all built in honor of Egyptian society with the type of buildings, Romans, 
Greek, Babylonian, everything in science and knowledge is named after gods and things like that. Uh, Even the science things that they do, whether or not it's CERN that's uh, named uh -huh. after an Etruscan uh, pan-like god. Even things like uh, well, well you, even you kind of like sort of get capital, like the capital, like they said we're found under a Christian nation or whatever, but. I mean, you don't see one cross over there. You don't see anything about Jesus. No, you it's don't. all about Egyptian and all these Roman, yep. just everything. Yeah, exactly. So when we talk about the days of Noah, I mean, that's, you know, when, when Jesus provides us that overarching sign, along with the fig tree generation and the beginning of sorrows that guides that whole generation and the event chronology, He's using very specific words. So the days of Noah in Genesis 929 were 950 years. That's the exact same words, the days of Noah. And 600 years before the flood and 350 years <clears throat> after the flood. So if we're talking about the days of Noah and understood as a lifetime, um, then we need to understand the events both before and after the flood. And of course, there's giants on both sides of, of the flood. and when we look at what was going on in Genesis 6, 1 uh, through 4, with the creation of the giants, we learn about the violence that happens thereafter. The violence is caused by the giants. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who introduce war uh, with the aid of the fallen angels and the tactics and the technology to make the weapons and the martial arts training to terrorize humankind and actually war with themselves too because that's just sort of what, what their nature was is beings created to destroy humankind they're just destroyers to be you know as, as part of their natural things so this violence that is being talked about that people say well it was violent but who cares you know it's the kind of violence and we're yes. going to see something like that coming at this time and if we look at what happened before the flood it says the whole earth was corrupted yeah well that's that's a pretty big statement yeah. the whole earth is corrupt that's earth. more than just uh violence right and and those are the causes of the flood the corruption of the earth and the violence and both are connected to the giants because the giant story is the preamble to the flood story it is the reason for the flood. It's in the same narrative. There's nothing there to separate it. The flood story showing up in Genesis 6 and Genesis 7, finishing in Genesis 7. And that word corrupt is the Hebrew word shakath. And it means decay, ruin, yep. destroy. Words that mean something happened to the earth to change it so much so the whole earth was corrupt. That means the complete plant genome. And the DNA of uh, most animals and humans. So when we hear about chimera projects based on what happened before the flood, this is that kind of corruption and the intermarriage of the giants into humankind was just destroying a lot of the pure DNA from Adam as well. So we need to look at everything that was happening on both sides of the flood in Noah's lifetime, that includes Sodom and Gomorrah yeah. that we talked about earlier and includes, you know, 350 years after the flood. So it includes Babel. 
and everything that sort of might have happened at Babel. Like, what do you think? Like the Babel Babylon religion that would be one of the things that we would want to learn from that. And so we have to learn all about that. And what's interesting as well in the accounting of Luke in the words that Jesus provided for the sign of Noah, he tagged on as well. And in addition, it was also like the days of Lot mm. that the end time will be. And so, again, that's the generation of Noah sort of underscored because that happens, you know, several hundred years after uh, after the flood. So, but still probably in the lifetime of Noah. And, and, and in, in the new book, I'll, I'll make a case that the second incursion was likely created at Sodom. And I'll walk everybody through the language on that. Okay. Okay. And uh, also, like, another thing, too, um, as far as the watchers, you know, coming down and, you know, doing, doing what they did to the women, creating all these religions and everything. Um, when God um, basically sentenced them down to the pit underneath the Euphrates River, um, it just, it's, it's kind of funny cause everything I'm watching on the news and stuff and what's going on there, the, the Euphrates river is drying up. I just thought that was really interesting. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, it's uh, something, it's almost like a birth pang, a yeah. sorrow, <laughs> um, because it will, it will happen again and it'll be stronger and worse. And so when the Euphrates dries up, uh, where the four fallen angels are changed for a, spe for a specific time that are going to be released. That's the time of Armageddon, right? Yeah. So in the book of Revelation. So that's in the year of the day, year of the Lord's wrath, the last year of the last seven years. So we're not there yet on the chronology. Oh, no. we're not but that's why close. you have to understand that other overarching sign for people who aren't as familiar and it's the same catastrophes that repeat throughout the generation and the exact same catastrophes in the seal judgments and then the trumpet judgments and then the wrath bowls that come in the last three and a half years. So don't get, don't let people try and convince you that we're further along on the chronology because there's we're, way too many things that have we're to not happen even yet. close. Not yes, even close exactly. Yeah. You, you have to go by on what the Bible strictly says. And when people talk about that and stuff, I'm like, dude, we haven't even, we're just we're just at the birth pains we haven't even really hit anything yet yeah what's uh, interesting about the euphrates is that it's also very important to um the muslims and in one of their hadiths um, and each sect has a different hadith and it's like a commentary like the targum um and they're have different perspectives but uh, so this isn't in the quran but this is in, in part of their oral tradition but they believe and it's just kind of odd because the Euphrates is so important to end time prophecy is that mm -hmm. underneath the Euphrates and they're talking and they talk about when the Euphrates dries up, it's going to reveal a mountain of gold, uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> which is really kind of odd because if you have uh, angels chained to that mountain of gold are, are those chains actually made in gold i mean it's like your mind just sort of goes God. like well, that's not scripture and we don't have any sort of verification on that but it's interesting that there's so much importance that's 
that's put on the Euphrates rivers in, in the end time. And uh, yeah, that'd be interesting. And one thing we do know, I mean, those chains aren't, you know, magnet mag, magnetized to hold them there because it's hard, very hard to magnetize gold. So if they're chained to a mountain of gold, they must be really built in solid. Yeah, that's yeah, funny. Well, that's not what we expected, guys. <laughs> <laughs> not that kind of gold. I mean, maybe maybe those those fallen angels actually have a golden kind of skin. <laughs> it was like a metaphor of some sort. Well, yeah, you know, because they are shining beings, right? So yeah. who knows what that would actually be, be made of. So yeah, hard to know. All right. Zuck, you got anything? I did. <clears throat> yeah. And I know that there's a lot that, cause I have a lot of uh, ideas. Um, well, I mean, I have one big idea of how these, these giants and other Nephilims survived the flood. Um, I know a lot of them that didn't, then they died and they became demons. Uh, but before that, Atlantis, um, if you could touch on that. Well, Atlantis is a, a terrific um, analogy of, of, of the Genesis story. What's unique about Atlantis as well is that um, you have this significant story that's preserved not only in Greek culture, but in many other cultures. But it was reigned over by 10 kings. It was the most advanced civilization before the flood. It was the center of world civilization, according to the Greek mythology. And they're trying to create a world government, which is really important when you roll that forward to a fellow like Francis Bacon, who's going to write about the new Atlantis with this universal religion that harmonized with science. And they want that's what they yep. want to create. And then you roll that into biblical prophecy and Daniel 2 with the metallic prophecies of the 10 toes or 10 kings or the beast empire prophecies in Daniel 7 with the same 10 kings or 10 horns, which is the same imagery in Revelation uh, 12, 13, and 17 that describes that end time 10 king empire that the polytheists are trying to, to sort of bring about. Uh, but that empire does get destroyed by the flood. And seven sages are sent out from Atlantis in their tradition to restart civilization. Now, some of those sages in different traditions tend to be either a giant-like individual or it's actually a god. So some people might believe that it was Osiris that went around to the various continents that restarted civilizations, which would be equivalent to Quetzalcoatl for the Kishamaya civilization who starts uh. that after the flood. But they all take it back to uh, the, the Atlantean civilization. But And then in, in the uh, Zoroastrian or Hindu version of it, you have Manu in India who's part of seven holy sages uh, that escape all together and restart the civilization there and uh, and start to repopulate the earth as well. And they're more demigod. They're not full godlike. So you get yeah. different twists on it. So it's hard to know which one that they're talking about. But the key point, I think, to to what you, I think you're asking is, is that the Atlantean story talks about survivors 
that show up after the flood because in all of these traditions they come from atlantis and they were on multiple continents so one presumes that they sent survivors mm. into africa they sent survivors into uh central america the hopi say they come from the white snake clan mm. from an island in the ocean after the flood they basically yeah. just branched them off everywhere yeah yeah Man. now also in greek uh, culture, you have a Tartarus. Um, mm. And of course, we get that sort of connected to the underworld in, in the book of Peter with hell. Yeah, hell. One time it goes back to Tartarus, which is Tartarus. That was a prison. So it's like the abyss prison. And in the Greek tradition, uh, after the flood, many giants escaped out of that, out of there and into the Asia Minor area. So we would know them as Indo-Aryans or Scythians after the flood. And the Tuatha Dé Danann um, are part of that group. And they start civilization after the flood because they have knowledge that they maintain because they were imprisoned and then escaped after the flood. So that's another tradition in terms of how Greeks have giants survive the flood but Greeks also make a, uh, and, and I cover this off uh, out of, I think it's Theogony is the book in, in, in my new book, where they make two, make reference to two different kinds of giants. The ones that died off and the ones that are here now. And there's two different creations there as well. I'm open to both. I, I lean towards second incursion, but... I'm also open to somehow giants surviving the flood because we get a lot of accounts of that, you know, around the world, including the Epic of Gilgamesh, where in the Epic of Gilgamesh, we've talked about him being a second incursion giant, like his friend uh, Enkidu is created to offset Gilgamesh. Abnapishtin or Idzubar or, um, no, actually, Itzabar would be more Gilgamesh, but Upnapishan uh, or Zayazudra, uh, which are different transliterations of the same character for the Sumerian Noah, as they like to call it. These are two-thirds God, one-third human, the whole family is, and they survived the flood in the ark in that story. So that's a giant survival mm. story. Also, in the Greek mm. accounting, you have Deucalion um, and his wife Pyrrha, also said to be the Greek Noah. The you know, Deucalion is the offspring of Prometheus, which is either a giant or an angel, depending on whether he's a titan of the earth or a titan of, of, of heaven. I think he's an angel. So that's another giant survival story. So you have all of these giant survival stories around the world. And we don't have a smoking gun verse in the Bible that yeah. we can say, you know, for sure, they survived the story, the flood, or they were recreated. Yeah. And so I, I try and be open-minded. I do lean heavily. I think it fits better with the Bible, but I could point to a couple of verses in Genesis 6 and Genesis 7 where it says God destroyed everything he created. Yes, a- yes, 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 yeah. That was one of the things that, that blew my mind too when I was reading that. And uh, yeah, because I heard you on some other podcast, but when you said that everything he created, I was like, ah! That's right. Yeah. 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 Because we have to keep in mind, it's the angels, fallen angels that created the giants. So, but what we do know is they show up after the flood and there are just so many different tribes of them from the, you know, from the uh, Avim 
to the cherethim, to the pelethim, to the zuzim, to uh, the hivim, to the avim. It's just so many different names that are applied yeah. to the different tribes uh, that are out there. That um, and there's just way too many to ignore and to not to try and account for these tribes of people, whether you believe them to be giants or not, if you can't make a connection back to the table of nations, what's your answer? Like you have to, I mean, either Bible is, is left something else significantly and it's not quite as reliable as we would like it to be, which I do not believe, or there's another answer. I agree 100%. Z, I know you yeah, got no, a lot of questions, on. brother. Do what? I know you got a lot of questions, Z. Keep going, man. Hello, man. Man, I just want to cover like two. <clears throat> um, Tarsus made me think of this, but like the hollow earth and, you know, in uh, Job, or some people might call it Job, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. but how the, the devil walks to and fro. Um, and also, whenever you talked about, you know, uh, back in the flood when God was wiping out everything that he created. And then there were the things that the angels created. I mean, the fallen, excuse me. Um, yeah. It just made me think like uh, all the things that might be hidden in, in little pockets of, of this. Yeah. World they could have built in. all sorts of things within the earth with the technology and knowledge that they have. I mean, we're just getting a feel now for some of those underground cities. Um, so who knows what else that they built now? The other thing to keep in mind is that the underworld, uh, Sheol, Hades, the other world, Anwin, they're all different names for the same place, is the polytheist heaven, right? And it's thought to be in the earth, but it's not likely in the earth. It's in the earth, but in another dimension. Yeah. Uh, and so portals are a big part that sort of follow with that whole belief system within polytheism. So just as we talked about, about Gilgal Raphaim, it has like a hundred, what they call domains within that site. A domain means a portal. And uh, just as fairies come through portals, generally called fairy domains. But if somebody Googles the word domain, D-O-L-M-E-N, you're going to get like this mini Stonehenge type of, uh, building that is called a domain and it's thought to be a portal. And just as I talked hmm. about the Ugaritic text earlier with the Raphaim, they also went back and forth between the other world, uh, the underworld and the physical world through these portals. They did that both as when they were alive and both as spirit, just as the gods do that. And just so... If we look at what could be in the earth and or in the same space in another portal, it opens up possibilities that are, you know, you couldn't count, you couldn't list it, and you couldn't imagine how many beings might be saved either in the earth yeah, or in another dimension or off the earth somewhere. Yeah. It's so wild, and I know that, I mean, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't be able to enter through that portal because I'm sure it'll just completely break down our DNA just because our bodies are used to this third dimension. And Yeah, I would think that if the giants were able to go through those portals, which it seems that they were, that would be one of those inherited gifts from their 
godfathers, the the fallen angels, that they would have that sort of ability to 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 do so. So I, I tend to agree with that. We also get another interesting passage in the Bible that talks about the passengers in Ezekiel 39 uh, after the Gog War, and these passengers they they that are talked about they they cross over and and that word is the Hebrew word abar which is associated with death in the book of Job and it's it's create and it's and it's also associated with dying and it's about crossing over into the underworld and so one wonders who wow. these passengers are that are going to show up in a war named after a giant in the <laughs> end time the god war you know, Magog shows up in the Bible as a descendant of Japheth, but Gog, you know, uh, of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach, which is the etymological root for Moscow, Gog doesn't show up in the Bible. So who is this Gog character, right? This is Gog guy, know, yeah. Yeah, I, and I talk about this in the first book, uh, who Gog is, and I mention a God, a parent God, before the flood that was named Iapetus that created giants. And three of his sons were Albion, Magog, and God. So I'm thinking like the names of some of the descendants of Japheth were changed to be named after giants mm -hmm. or biblical writers mm -hmm. changed that to reflect their diversion into polytheism perhaps. So you get Magog that comes out of that, and that's one of the sons as well. But you don't get Gog. Gog just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's in an end time war, and it happens after the abyss is opened in Revelation 9. Man, for those who, who are like end timers, and because uh, I know I've seen this many times just since I've been alive, and there'll be these people who will like pretty much get rid of everything and they'll follow you know, these false teachers and stuff yeah. to the top of like a hilltop and just watch the world just die. And, yeah. and I don't know, I know there are a lot of like those false prophets. So man, I, I, for a lot of people uh, who freak out about that, what is some advice you would give them? Well, that, again, that's, we, we need to learn ourselves more about what's in the Bible and we need to start understanding things so that we're not mm -hmm. misled by, false teachers because certainly the churches do not teach prehistory properly yeah and do not teach prophecy so if we are in the fig tree generation the shepherds leading the flocks are not good shepherds uh -huh. and they're not preparing yeah. their flock and it opens up this mass deception for a specific generation that I think that we probably are in. And I think we are in the fig tree generation, however long that generation is. And I think even the elect will be deceived because they're not properly prepared. Um, so I would advise people to start learning for themselves, but you kind of have to get a chronology set out there uh, so that you can understand the events. And I know there's lots of set eschatological positions but they seem to be preconceived conclusions and what they tend to do is reimagine verses 
to make them fit or they ignore the inconvenient verses so that they don't have to deal with it in their timeline. So you have to be knowledgeable enough as well to know who is not reading the Bible accurately or is not using all of the verses because there's usually an agenda for that. I mean, I, yeah. I know there's some belief systems in terms like, let's say, the timing of the rapture. It's not ill-intended, but it may be not correct. Um, yeah. So, but we're told to be ready for it anytime. But what I would suggest, if you want to start making sense of what's going on in the world, you need to understand prehistory and you need to understand prophecy because we're seeing prophecy, I think, unfold before us, but we're just in the beginning of Soros. So there's lots to unfold and it's going to get worse. But people are going to be jumping at every catastrophe that comes along and says, this is the time. Or we're in Revelation 12 now because we saw a sign in astrology or something. <laughs> and we've seen all of that. That's the thing, yeah. right? It's not like yeah. I'm making this up and it's going to get worse. It so the, your only defense is, is to learn... Um, learn it yourself. And, and, and there's so much information, but, you know, I would advise people if you want to start on learning prophecy is, is put everything around what Jesus said. Yeah. Matthew he gives you the chronology yeah, and Matthew don't 24. fall for people that say he didn't put it in chronological order. He put it in, you know, topical order. Well, that's not what Jesus said. He says, and then this happens, and then this happens, and he gives you the midpoint at the abomination. And that word then, that's the Greek word tote. It doesn't mean something, anything else, and then. At that time, when you see this, that yeah. it means that word. And so when it says, and then the end will come in his signs, that's exactly what he's talking about yep. after that. <laughs> so... If you just put everything around what Jesus said, you'll find everything starts to fit. It takes all of the conflicts out. And even the book of Revelation, um, and you have to understand Revelation just if you understand the rest of the book of the Bible. It's generally a linear, linear story. But in the Old Testament, for example, you might have the book of the prophets that's sort of all grouped together. If you're looking for one-of-a-kind art that is sure to make you stand out from the crowd, then look no further than Drew's Tags. Drewski has created a world of custom art that will take you on a wild ride through sports, space, travel, military, cryptids, and beyond. Whether you're a fan of Bigfoot, a reptilian, conspiracy theorist, or just someone who appreciates a good pun, Drewski has something for everyone. So why settle for a boring old print when you can have a custom creation that is as unique as you are? Reach out to Drewski today and get started on your one-of-a-kind masterpiece. Check out his Instagram link in the show notes and it's a long time frame but you do get a marker so you know where to put it back in in the other books in terms of the history right because right. you get the kings you get the you get the time you get the markers so once you get into revelation 6 after the throne scene and after the letters to the churches you're in and around the start of the last seven years i think uh, Revelation 6 happens just before the start of the last seven years that begins in Daniel 9, 27. And yes, we know that's the beginning because the verse before says the word end twice, which means the last days <laughs> and when all of vision is going to be fulfilled, as it says in a few verses earlier. But um, 
and if you go through to Revelation 14, you're running through the first three and a half year events. And that coincides with Daniel 11, starting in about verse 20, where you get rising Antichrist after the covenant is signed in Daniel 9:27, which kicks off the last seven years and leads yep. up to the abomination, right? That's so what what's interesting in Revelation 14 is after you get by the final first fruits, which are the 144,000 on the resurrection, um, and you will then get the final preaching of the gospel by the angel, uh, after the 144,000, after the two witnesses. And then you're going to get a summary of the last three and a half years in exact chronological order that start to be described in detail between Revelation 15 and 19. So you get the chronology and that just overlays perfectly in what Jesus said. I like that because Daniel and Ezekiel and then uh, Matthew 24, Jesus talks about it and then Revelations. But yeah, Jesus breaks it down just perfectly. Yeah, and, you know, and, and, you know, he's, he's the one prophecy is built around. He provides it. He is the spirit of prophecy. So yeah. His testimony. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it was a trip. It just reminds me, this brings me back to after when um, Eve and uh, Adam ate the fruit when God was telling the satan or wherever you want to call him um i'm gonna send someone that's gonna it's gonna crush your head and you're gonna bruise his heel right there is a prophecy that jesus is coming there is. yeah and there's a serpent seed yeah however yep. people want to define that I, I i'd lean more towards that's the uh seed of the nephilim in in genesis 6 born by the seraphim watchers the serpentine watchers yep um but uh, yeah, that's uh, it's important to understand how all of that is being talked about right at the fall of the Adamites, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, and and these are the people that are created Adam and then Eve to be on a special commission to be the resolution to the angelic rebellion, yeah. and yet right out of the gate, um, Lucifer causes them or Satan causes them to to fall, but. That's just part of everything playing out. It's part of what God knew from the beginning. Um, and so he lays a prophecy down right after that, that comes through that fall. And yeah. uh, from that point on, we not only have to worry about the invisible ones, but the visible ones, which become the giants, both before and after the flood and the complete royal bloodlines and the governing and ruling and elite class that imposed their feudal system on us for thousands of years. Oh, yeah. I would it's like right. to do so again. Oh, definitely. I definitely on that. And uh, it just, man, I just can't imagine when God laid that prophecy out, Satan's like scratching his head like, oh, crap. We're <laughs> <laughs> still so weird. He's trying so hard. I'm like, what oh. it is, but he said it's something. <laughs> yeah. But it, all they did was they double down and they keep doubling down. But I like oh, the yeah. passage in First Corinthians that talks about the princes, which is the arche, which is part of the rulers of this world through the council of the gods, that the thing they didn't know was all of the wisdom of God. And that had they known about the resurrection, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have, have killed ensured... Jesus. Yeah, they wouldn't have killed Jesus. So yeah, no matter what they were trying to do, they couldn't win. And then it's just so perfect after the crucifixion of Jesus, where in first Peter, um, 
Jesus, while still in the grave, goes and talks to these spirits in the abyss prison, yep. the fallen angels, um, that their war is over. When he when Jesus resurrects on the Sunday, yeah. you are sentenced to the lake of fire and you cannot escape that fate. It's over. You can cause as much chaos for a little while longer. But as Matthew 25 talks about, the lake of fire was created for Satan and His those angel. fallen angels. Yep. Well, it makes me think, too, like um, uh, whenever uh, Jesus casted out. Uh, the legion um so all those demons they're like pretty much a sentence anywhere but hell um and even for that brief moment still sending sending them into the the swine all those pigs um i don't know it just makes you think it's such a bad place <laughs> like i wonder how many of them regretted their decisions but who knows yeah i mean who knows um and they had free choice to do so well, I was also like in uh, like in Enoch when it talks about you know they're trying to get Enoch to to talk to God for him. Yeah, you know to like, intervene for them. Yeah, yeah. I think they they knew right then. You know, like, they knew yeah. they knew they had uh, crossed the line, but they had also <coughs> uh, you know sworn an oath. Yep. Knowing the consequences. They fully understood, yet they still swore an oath and then carried it out. And the oath was to carry it out to the end, no matter what the consequences would be. Yeah. And so they, they understood. And the demons, I mean, the disembodied spirits of the giants, they all had free choice. They could have chosen God, uh, and they did not. So it's interesting how so many people think that the... Uh, the demons that are talked about in possession are fallen angels. It's uh, quite common, seemingly, amongst Christians, and it's a, it's a completely different being. It's a lower quality, lower class, of, yeah, yeah, lower class. And and uh, you know, Diabolos is the word for devil uh, in the New Testament, and he's the prince of demons as well. But that's not the word that's used in Greek for devils when it's talking about the demons. Yeah. Uh, that word devil goes back to the Greek word daemon. It's a completely different spirit being. It's a demonic spirit. It's uh, a lower class spirit, as, 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 as you mentioned. And so the, all they can do is possess something, even possess. pigs, so they can have a place yeah. of rest. And they're suppressing the host in that oikotarian. But it's the only place of rest and the only ability to physically interact in the physical world. So that's all they can do. And these are the demons that aren't in the abyss prison and apparently didn't make it, according to polytheist belief, into into Hades. <laughs> oh, man, like this is the stuff I man, I really wish that because I know at a lot of churches, they think this stuff's taboo. They don't really want to talk about it. And. You know, and and then when I try to talk about it, me and Zook, we look like we're crazy. Look at us like we're crazy. <laughs> <coughs> but that's all good. Well, one, one like person at a time. Plant the seeds. That's all we can do. Yeah, that's all we can do is yeah. plant seeds, brother. You're absolutely right. It's so wild. Like in other cultures, everything that even some of the stuff. Like, I mean, there are. Um, I know out in Middle East, like. Um, Cause I know one of, one of Drewski's friends um, and, and a guy that we're potentially going to interview, like, I mean, they'll talk about giants cause they're like a normal occurrence out there. 
And it's just so weird to me. Like it's, they're just not brought up. Like, I, I just don't know like what the big difference would be if like giants are brought up. Like, I, I don't know. I guess maybe it'll disprove evolution <laughs> or, or something. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, it's about information control. That That's the so, fact. And, yeah. and they'll bring out that information when they're ready to bring about the end time. And in the meantime, their goal is as what the original goal of the seven sacred sciences were that created the Enochian mysticism I talk about in the first book that created um, the secret societies and the mystery schools and merged with the knowledge from, from heaven. The goal of those was to uh, honor the pantheon of gods that they worship, right? To everything, do buildings, whatever, uh, statues, idols. Uh, but the other three were designed to degrade God, as in slander him, as in what the beast spirits do. Yep. Um, and the next thing was not to give God credit for anything. So God can't create yeah. anything. He's not, right? Yeah. And you see that in secularism, which is just you a do. puppet of polytheism. You do an um, evolution, you see, yeah, all kinds of and, stuff. Yeah, and you see that in polytheism where they say god made is an evil god who made the mess of the world and satan <laughs> had to come clean things up right that's <laughs> yeah their version that's, their, that's their version yeah and the most important thing is is it's designed to lead people away from god so yeah. evolution is a tactic they know it's not true they know it's oh, mathematically yeah. impossible they know that it's just designed to lead people who are not willing to take the time to search things out themselves to be easily led astray and they'll discard evolution like the stupid idea it always was laughing all the time when yeah. they're ready to say hey this is what really happened these are the demigods we are their descendants and these are the gods that are the good gods and the god of the bible is an evil god and those people who follow them they have to be persecuted and removed from the earth Yep, to me that is going to be the great deception, and like leading on to that with the whole, with the whole giants and everything, it reminds me of um, oh gosh, if you read back in the early '30s, early '40s, and like the newspapers, be some farmer tilling his ground. Next thing you know, he found a bunch of giant bones, right? And they sent yep. someone from um, the Smithsonian over there to go basically to go get it and cover yep. it up, and that's it. Yep. Yeah, you know, there's an interesting site uh, that's called Old Newspaper Stories. And if people want to get a hold of me, I can send them the link on it. And uh, these are mostly North American discoveries. Definitely and... text me the link after the show. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, and on it, it has a spreadsheet of the description of the discovery and the newspaper that published it. Yeah. And then you have a link on it, and it takes you actually to the newspaper story in the newspaper that uh, printed it, and you can read the article. And uh, the stories behind these uh, reporting is that two things happen. One is they contact the local university, who then contacts the Smithsonian, and all of the bones and the discoveries go there, and they're never heard from again. There's no trail that they ever received them, anything like that. Or they contact the Smithsonian directly, and the same thing happens. Yep. It happens in, in every one of those instances. And what's in interesting about the Smithsonian is it was created by funds by a Rosicrucian 
of the Royal Society, which was the organization that created uh, the Invisible College or the Royal Society, which was to uh, be education and science outside the Catholic Church and chartered mm. in 1662 by Rosicrucians and Freemasons by uh, mm. King Charles Stuart. Um, and so when he died, he left this fund to go to the U.S. to start this great scientific organization and basically freemasons whether they're senators congressmen or presidents were the ones who utilized that money got the act of congress and got it done and used the money his name was james smithson so this is just a vassal organization for the royal society who has arguably um with their connections to Rosicrucians and Freemasons, the largest library and storage of books and antiquity that only one other place on earth could rival, which would be the Catholic Church. The Vatican. Both who are hiding <laughs> information for, for similar agendas. <laughs> yep, oh, it's yeah. all... Uh, it's- Man, it's all about just disproving God. That's all it is. But it's that man. Yep. Yeah, and I, and I think that what they don't want people to realize is that humankind was usurped by these what these royales, as they like to call them. And understand royale. That's you know, al is a transliteration of el, as in Baal, and el is an angel or a Ooh. god, and Roy is a king. They're the kings of God. They're their direct bloodline and the whole nobility class is is that bloodline as with the priest class all the educated class so the only people that are for the most part let's say on a 99 percent rule that are in that upper end are bloodlines and the lower two classes are what they would like to have again is a very very small poor entrepreneur class and then you have the fourth class which is the slave and the servitude class and the and the other two classes are populated by the bloodline so they don't want people to wake up around the world and say hey you way outnumber you outnumber us significantly we don't want you rising on mass against us to overthrow us um although the rivalries within those bloodlines actually did that to other bloodlines. So when you have the yeah. Western Euro- European bloodlines creating communism, they were sent to take out uh, what they would view as a more pure bloodline of the czars in, in Moscow. And, then, and so they, you know, communism was sent there to just get rid of uh, a rival bloodline because there can only be one Antichrist family in the end yeah. time, right? There's only one bloodline that's going to rule. And so the Europeans are trying to create a dynamic where they get to, to, to set that whole agenda and what that world order is going to look like. Well, they also did that in China with, mm. the, uh, with the Shah dynasty. You finally have a descendant of the Shah dynasty back on the presidency with Xi. That's the Western yep. branch. And they go back to the dragon creator gods as well uh, in that bloodline. That's the complete bloodline of, of, of the Chinese. And so you have uh, a similar thing that happened kind of as, as well after World War I with National Socialism that was created to offset communism that went out of control and to take out the Kaiser dynasty 
And then after World War II, you have the Habsburg dynasty that's basically put, you know, it, you know, taken away most of their power. And you just have uh, a, a few very powerful royals uh, in charge now. And if you look back before World War One, you had, you know, the, the Romanovs, which are a Putyanin czarist dynasty out of Kiev uh, as the originating place. Uh, you have the Kaisers out of Germany, at the Habsburgs out of yep. uh, Vienna. You had uh, the Bourbon uh, uh, dynasty in Spain. Um, you have the Hanover Windsor dynasty. They changed their name to Windsor from Hanover in World War One. Um, and you had a world war that was a family dispute. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty you know i didn't realize how watered down history was until i went to college because i mean i i had to get my gd and stuff just did a lot of uh, school problems uh through high in high school and oh my gosh uh no joke i didn't know what lynching was until i think yeah my <coughs> freshman year of college wow that that's how like much i didn't pay attention and yeah. how bad the school systems were that i went to at least me personally but dang i know there are let's see Ooh, well, I think uh, okay. So, I haven't I haven't looked into this, but I heard it from a guy on a podcast a while back, and I thought it was interesting because I I've heard of this before, but not in the way he explained it. But he talked about um, Satan that is referred to as a tribe. There is the lead lead dog, like actual Lucifer, but there, but he was saying I'm like, well, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, I haven't looked into it. So once again, I don't. Well, it's, it's interesting. Point. So, I mean, some people believe that Satan um, raped Eve and started the Canaanite line, right? Gnostics right. believe that. Um, I, I don't think so because it wasn't Satan who had his arms hacked off. He didn't have his voice yeah. taken away. He didn't have his intelligence taken away. He didn't have his legs taken away. He isn't sliming around. He's called a serpent, but he's also called a dragon yeah. and a cherubim. So, um, so I don't think Satan started a seed line then. I know a lot of people believe that. I have a great series that walks through the language on documents. People want to get a hold of me. I'll send you those documents and you'll it's really hard to make a consistent case that's not in contradiction with the Bible and isn't manipulating scripture and the meanings to, to build that case. Yeah. So if Satan did create a Nephilim line before and after the flood or either or, then one would suspect that he would go to the abyss like the rest of the other yeah. angels. Yep. Check. Um, there you go. But he didn't. Now he is going to the abyss in the end time, um, you know, after the end time. But that, you know, I don't think you can actually make a case biblically that he procreated other than through Cain. And I, I disagree with that position for what I talked about. Uh, although I don't totally rule it out, I, I can't make that case biblically. I get yeah. it, but I don't. I, I, I'm not against it. I just can't, you know, support it biblically. So. So I don't think there's a case for Satan having his own um, bloodline. But what's interesting about Antichrist is he's, he's called the son of perdition. Yeah. And that son of perdition is rooted in that word Apollyon and extends out Ooh. of it as, as, as the source word. Actually, both of them go back to a sort of a word associated with Apollo as well. But um, So it's interesting you have that word son of perdition. 
Um, but we know that that doesn't necessarily mean a bloodline that might be antichrist. If it's a bloodline of a Nephilim, it might be Azazel, yeah. who comes up and out of the abyss, uh, seemingly um, as the leader of the angels, and that abandoned Apollyon would be just a title for Azazel, uh, leader of the uh, angels in, in the Book of Enoch. So you also have another son of perdition, which is Judas. <laughs> right mm. so it could be that he's just like this beast-like spirit or that he's going to accept a satanic spirit in him is maybe the term that's being um, communicated in the term son of perdition because antichrist will receive his power from the dragon so he's like an avatar of an avatar so seemingly whether it's azazel or satan or both he's going to have some extra powers through that that concept and we know a fallen angel can be an avatar and take on an avatar, an avatara, as in the Judas case, because Satan enters into him yeah. uh, to give him enough courage to get over. So the avatar avatara effect is a Hindu understanding, like with the god Vishnu, who I think avatared something like 16 times, and one of them was into Buddha to give the extra wisdom and the extra power to to do what Buddha did. Uh, Shiva also avatared a lot as yeah. well. And yeah. so Shiva's would be cognate to Abad Napoleon and Azazel. So there's, there, there's that we have to be open to be ready that fallen angels can enter into bodies. And we also have to understand that demons do the same thing and they're going to require bodies in the end time. Yeah, they got to, for sure. Some it's way, somehow. Yeah. Could be clones. Who knows, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I mean, I've heard this before and I thought it was interesting, but like the, these gray, uh, the small gray aliens, yep. I've heard those are pretty much um, just from many encounters that I've heard to them that, that they're pretty much like, like robots. They're, they're just uh, demons just inherit those like little yeah, bodies. And, and their whole DNA is degrading. So they're continually doing sexual experimentations and trying to revive that sort of DNA. I write in, in, in the book a couple of encounters about these little greys that are kidnapping people. And uh, they take them away for 14 days and these are encounters that are all over the world and they're small little gray beings with these elongated skulls and bean eyes and stuff like that. And that, but the encounters I put in the Bible aren't gray alien abductions. They're called gray fairies and huh. fairies have three classifications, uh, good looking ones, mischievous ones like leprechauns and ugly ones like trolls and dwarves and gnomes and the gnomes within that, um, category have a group called the Greys who are in charge of technology, genealogies, have, have flying machines come through portal holes and kidnap people for Fortnite. So I put in two fairy abductions. And if you didn't know it was a fairy abduction, you would swear it was a gray alien abduction. Oh, yeah. Because if you oh. look at it, like they actually have accounts back in the early medieval times and stuff on they're saying like don't go out into the forest and if you do you might run across a fairy and then if that they, they had say that that happened they'd wake up totally somewhere different with like missing time and it all yeah. adds up yep 
And there's a fourth classification of these elementals. And we get the word elemental in the Bible, yep. and it can mean the basic elements or rulers as well, depending on the passage, right? Yep. These are the rudiments or the elementals that, elementals that are talked about in the New Testament. And they're at the lowest level of the rebellious hierarchy. And the fourth category is called the salamanders. And these are much yeah. taller than the little ones, and they're reptilians. So reptilians, they're taller than yeah. humans, Ooh. but smaller reptilians, than Nephilim. Yep. Draco's reptilians. Yep. That's yeah. Yep. So you start to put together, okay, you're getting many kinds of aliens that are Nephilim like created beings yeah. that were created before the flood, somehow survived, like perhaps some Nephilim did, or were recreated again after the flood. Yep. We've got the Greys, reptilians, Anunnaki's. That just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> So I think they're all part of that rebellious. Uh, they all play uh, for the creations. same team. <laughs> yeah. And fallen angels can take any form that they want. So they can yeah. create numerous. And we know there's a lot of fallen angels and not all of them are in the abyss. Yeah. I mean, we're told biblically that angels are uncountable and that a third of those uncountable angels rebelled, at least will have fully rebelled by the midpoint of the last 17s as last seven midpoint of the last seven years as revelation 12 talks about and revelation and daniel 8 also talk about a number it could be an allegorical number but it's ten thousand times ten thousand which is a hundred million so whether or not that's just like uncountable no matter how you shape that it's a huge number so a let's, let's number, use a yes. hundred million it's either 33 million rebellious ones or 50 million depending on how you want to slice that third so they could create a lot of different kinds of aliens through being changeling beings understanding only the impassioned ones only the ones who created or violated the laws of creation went and did the most horrible things on earth went to the abyss the rest of the rebellious angels are still out there yes Damn. right zook <laughs> yeah, yeah those are the together. like i have those all these the, questions i want to those ask are the invisible and... ones that we're told <laughs> to be aware of yeah are you ready to level up your podcast game introducing superpass the ultimate all-in-one platform made by podcasters for podcasters Imagine having access to a sleek website builder, the most powerful content app maker on the market, engaging courses, a thriving community, Patreon, and and exclusive membership perks all in one place. With a Netflix-inspired layout that's both professional and creative, Superpass is the perfect place to grow your audience and take your podcast to the next level. Don't miss out. Join the Superpass revolution today. Check out superpass.com and get a two-week free trial. Link in the show notes. What's so wild? Just how, um, because uh, we were gonna do this a while back. I don't, I don't know if now we are, but um, she was a. Anyway, she talks to a lot of aliens. It's, it's a galactic uh, ambassador. Ambassador, I think. Yep. She said. She said. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I just felt heavily convicted about it, but uh, I don't know. Like, like I just want to educate, um, yeah. just other people, because I mean, Drewski and I were definitely very upfront with our belief in Jesus Christ. And, um, but, but I don't know, it's just so wild how, how misleading it can be some people. Cause, cause the woman is a doctor. Um, yeah. so it's, it's so wild. Um, yep. Well, and she's probably speaking to 
whether it's an alien, whether or not, because no they're channeling when they do this, it could be a demon, it yeah. could be a fallen angel, they're called by many different names, spiritual guides, aliens, celestial white masters, all sorts of different things, and they're in, commu and they're in communication, and we know some of them can take physical form. She may even be communicating in person with some of these beings, right? Uh -huh. And I don't think they're from a different galaxy, as what they're, we're being told. I think they come from a different they're dimension. They're interdimensional. Yeah. They're not extraterrestrial. They're interdimensional. Yeah, they come through portals. Yeah. And it also reminds me, too, of, like, a.k.a. like, Aleister a Crowley. You know, oh, he man. talked to these yeah. same beings, too. And what's yeah. funny is that he sketched out this being he talked to, and it looks exactly like a gray alien. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's so odd whenever you... Because it just makes you think... what. Well, speaking of channeling and stuff like that, and especially when you do certain recreational drugs, um, how you can it it wink it uh, winkens <laughs> it weakens your spiritual senses, yeah. and and some people like they'll have these out of body experiences, and it's weird. I have, I have a twin sister, and um, she wasn't on drugs, but it just made me think like she was just so tired one day. She she went to bed, and she was barely asleep, and she literally felt her soul like leave her body. And then when she looked in the corner of her room, she saw a hooded figure. Um, I'm, I don't know a whole lot about that stuff, but I'm like, if I saw a hooded figure, I don't think that would be good in the back. No, I it cannot be good <laughs> in the real world. <laughs> well, I'm like, if somebody's covering their face, I think they're going to mug me or something. Yeah. So, I, but, but it's crazy. I, you know, um, my story and how I became a Christian is, um, because I dated a witch and the first time I ever saw a picture of, I mean, she had a legit picture of a hooded figure in her closet, but she would invite this stuff, um, into her house. And it was so wild. And she would do these out-of-body experiences. Um, and and I, I don't even know how, how she was, like, never fully possessed to where she wasn't able to get back into her body. But she would let, like, these demonic influences temporarily kind of rent her body so yep. she can go play around in the spiritual world. And, I mean, yep. she was in some pretty wild stuff. Well, and, well, and you know, if you are in, in, in that belief system and you become a high level adept, like a shaman uh, adept, then they say they have the ability to do a symbiotic relationship with that demon spirit. I don't believe it because yeah, they're going to yeah. suppress the host no matter what. But if people are in like in the new age or at the lower levels and they're trying to astral plane and uh, communicate and with, with these presences, you are inviting them in. And, yep. and they just don't go away if you want them to go away. Um, and so, and you have no idea how many you're letting in. And, yeah. and once they have you, they're very difficult to, to, to get old, to get rid of. And so who knows at some point in time, they may not ever let that person back into their body. If they're actually doing that astral plane, because they want that body completely for themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When Drewski and I, we, we would often joke about um, just somebody who is, and, and and if you've done this before, like anybody listening to the podcast, um, I'm not making fun of you. This is just things that I've actually looked into. Um, but yeah, people who use sage uh, to get rid of the, these evil spirits and demons. I'm like, man, that's another demon. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's odd. Yeah. No, it's just, you know, it's just people just basically who are who are taught a certain way or uneducated or yeah. whatever, but you know, it's just, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, in, in the in the New Testament, I mean, and it's one thing to say, okay, that was Jesus, but the disciples also had the ability to cast out demons without rituals. Yeah. They did. You know, if you, also too, if you look at the how the way Jesus did it, he just he just said it and then it was that and yeah, yeah and that's the thing is that man comes up with all these rituals and we kind of just push God to the side, like, oh we got it. You know. I remember I was listening to uh, Tony Merkel on um, his confessionals podcast and he was talking about how he talked to, um, I don't know if this guy was, was a really high ranking, what do you call it? But like official in the satanic community or whatever, or he was a, a warlock high wizard. He was a high wizard. Yeah. And, and he was just talking about, I don't know what it is, but when people just use Jesus name, like that, like the, these demonic things, like all this stuff, like it'll just leave them. And I don't, I'm like, well, it does, know. you know, because Jesus' name's so powerful, and the guy, it's so who, yeah, like... this guy who worked for Mufon, and that was one of his, because um, he was like he was like an alien investigator, right? And that was one of his uh, things was that when he would talk to people, they would get so scared they would say, "Oh, Jesus, help me," and the entities would just leave, and then he would put that in his report. Well, the director for Mufon was stating that no, we're not going to be doing that because basically. You let that out to the public, you're base. They're basically going to be losing business, right? Yep. So he quit there, and he made up his own um, thing called CE4 Project, and he's counseling and helping people who are getting abducted or or anything like that when it comes to aliens. And he's teaching them on biblical standards and how powerful Jesus is, and he's trying to turn them around into becoming, you know, believers in God. And yeah, it's just good stuff. Good, good stuff. I'm I'm done with my rant. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Gary. Go ahead, Gary. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's you know you get you know it's one thing to hear one of those kinds of stories, but when you see that sort of common denominator thing, is oh. that you kind of understand that uh, they don't ever, ever want to run up against Jesus or or somebody who's not afraid to invoke Jesus. It's just like you know. Um, it's a testimony to sort of the falsehood of what their belief system is and that it isn't going to be able to stand up, but yet they still continue to follow it. A lot of them, it's just kind of bizarre. They're just so brainwashed that it doesn't matter whether Jesus is that powerful. It doesn't matter whether God is that powerful. They're still the evil ones. And it's like, yeah. no, you're doing the evil things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's a funny thought sometimes in how these, uh, just how so many people call out the God, um, and it will be in, you know, almost those life or death situations where that'll be like the last thing on their mind. But, you know, if they're about to crash their car, they're like, oh, God, or, or I don't know if they're about to fall and they stub their toe, they're like, God, I'm like, I don't know, just, I don't know the, yeah. the times when they'll do it. I'm like, man, <laughs> and I know God's like, yes, like every time, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> it's, it's just really funny. interesting to me that people do that. Yeah, but I know we were created in His image and to our core, like we are His children. Like regardless of of what anybody else says, like well, we are His children. And you know. well, and also that it doesn't always. Um, it's not always important for us to believe in what people of of the other side be believe in and say, okay, we accept that one hundred percent. Fine. It's, that's not important whatsoever whether we believe believe it or not. 
What's important though is, is that they believe it and yes. it's what they do with that sort of belief system. But we also know that, you know, just as with the demons is, is, you know, just, and just as Jesus warned is, is that, you know, once that demon is removed, don't open that portal up again, because it's going to get like seven times worse or more. And, and you don't know what's going, what, what, what's going to happen. And, you know, I think that um, when we, when we understand that the other side is, uh, puts things in place, they're putting things in place to hold people in. So it's like an oath-based system, an initiatory, um, and with oaths and with these rituals. And people are sort of buying in. I can never get out of this because I've given my oath. And even in the Bible, we're told not to give an oath because you're going to be held accountable for that oath. Yeah. Um, but... There's an interesting story in the Bible that shows the legitimacy to the concern of what you're swearing an oath to and how it's legally binding. Mm. And, and, and it comes in the book of Jude when it tells the story of Moses' death. Yeah. And uh, Satan is there to take Moses' body after right. he dies. And Michael is the sent there to, to prevent that from happening. And Satan's not there just because he's evil. I'm not saying he isn't evil, but that's not the reason why he's technically there. He's there because he had legal tender. He had legal tender because mm -hmm. Moses was adopted unknowingly into the Pharaoh family, initiated in the mysteries in from childhood to become an adept even before he was an adult, educated at Heliopolis, swore those oaths, and then, oh man! Yeah, man. And, then, <laughs> and then once you know things turned around, and he he was thrown out of Egypt, and he converts and does uh, things <clears throat> for God. That Satan looked at it. Well, that doesn't matter. I still own him, yeah. but God vetoed it, right? Because <laughs> of what Moses had done, and he had done that as a fulfillment fulfillment of what he wanted to have happen but that's a testimony to the legitimacy of what you're swearing an oath to man. that's good Jamie. that is oh man i'll be telling everybody now hey guess what i learned today guys <laughs> uh, anyway sleep good <laughs> that's what I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so that doesn't mean you can't get out after swearing that oath, right? I mean, but you still will be held accountable for that. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that won't be pleasant when that comes about. No, no, you're right on that. Uh, Z? I mean, I have like another big one. And it's, I know we briefly t talked about Antarctica. Because um, I've done my own research and, and looking into, but this was like years ago, the Antarctic Treaty, stuff like that. And then I know the story about Admiral Byrd. Um, but I'm just like, uh, I don't know if it actually is, um, like more of an open entrance cause it's on the surface of the earth where I don't know. I don't know if it's like hell or, well, I guess, no, no, hell, it, it's not hell. Cause that's a, that's a di different dimension, but I don't know. What would that area be? And I don't know why are they trying to keep us, keep us away. Like, cause yeah. I, I know the being or like the demons and stuff they can keep us away from there regardless but um we're not probably not christians but i don't know 
their technology. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, I think Antarctica is, you know, something we need to keep an eye on. It's really hard to get good information as to what's really going on down there. Um, and you do have the Admiral Byrd thing that, you know, that's you know, getting to be fairly old and from a historical perspective, but it shows you how long the phenomena has been going on there. You have even sort of references that go back to World War II where the Nazis had supposedly set up a base down there or not. So, so it's hard to know what's actually there. Um, we hear a lot of things. We don't know whether it's all true or not. We also know that a lot of the activity has been less in the last few years. There's a bit of a frenetic sort of thing going on there probably about four or five years ago, especially with a lot of people from around the world sort of rushing down there to see what was down there. I think there's something there. It's hard to know exactly what, but I think it's going to overturn a lot of preconceived ideas when the time is right. And it'll be rolled out to sort of disorient people so that they're more easily will accept the new world order things that are coming it's part of the deceptions and it probably you know is going to be related to aliens fallen angels and prehistory in unimaginable mm -hmm. ways and it's just going to shock everybody to their core and if you're not strong in your faith you're probably going to be seduced into what the world says how we should handle this and what we need to do next yeah, not only that, too, it's also, too, like, you know, strong in the Lord and your faith and reading your word, you know, because it says, too, that, you know, my people will fall from lack of understanding. And, you know, like it says in Revelation, too, that you know men's hearts are going to fail them from what's coming on the earth. And there's just a lot, Gary, you know. Um, we yeah. can't imagine what's coming. As bad as we can imagine, we still can't imagine. We can't. It. Yeah, we can't. There's not going to be anything like it. Yeah. Can you imagine those chimera type creatures in the in the Revelation 9 war? And that's no. not the Armageddon war yet. My gosh. I, I know, yes. Can you imagine well, those scorpion creatures coming out of the abyss? Yep. <laughs> no thanks. Oh, oh, yes. And then Man. and then you're getting stung for like nine months or something like that, and you won't die. Something like that. Yeah, five months. Five months, oh, five, five months. months. Five months. So, something to look forward to. Yeah, <laughs> says nobody. Let alone, <laughs> let alone all the earthquakes, the pestilence, the pandemics, yes, the, the wars, the famines. I mean, it's just yeah, it just wild beasts attacking people. I mean, it's just like yeah, we can't imagine. Still, yeah, what it's going to be on. like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we are resilient. Like us is just just the human race is very resilient. And I know like, man, with what we're seeing now, like it's, it's crazy, at least here in America. Um, but stuff like this, uh, and just in many different forms uh, are, are happening in other places of the world, like all this supernatural spiritual stuff and uh, your communism and all this stuff that we make movies about here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, you know, lots of the world is already experiencing a lot of the horrors and it's still, oh, light by what is comparatively as as to what's coming so um, oh it is yeah. yeah america really hasn't really america has not my opinion we're still cush right now yep oh, the yeah. rest of the world is experiencing stuff but when it comes to what jesus talks about we're not even yeah. uh, 
we're not even a fart in the wind close. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not by you. Yeah. <laughs> so, but things can change quickly. So, I mean, catastrophes change things uh, very, very quickly. So, um, but unless we can get, you know, proper government leaders. Uh, it's it's going to degrade significantly. Uh, so, also too and like, yeah. oh sorry, yeah. go ahead, Gary, go ahead. No, 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 I was just go ahead. But also too like you know proper leaders and you know America's just got to fall on its knees. I just ask God for forgiveness and yep. just you know just yeah. There's just a lot we've as a country have done disobey God and His hands pulling away and. You know, as far as us um, as being Christians and stuff, we call ourselves a Christian nations. In reality, we're not. And in China and India, Christianity is blowing up because they're getting persecuted down there. But their faith's rocking like crazy because of what's yep. going on down there. And here, we're afraid to share our faith or anything because we don't want to piss off somebody. Yeah. See, uh, it's the most amazing thing about the about the Christian movement is people who are against it, the worst thing they can do is actually persecute it because it just gets Christianity just gets yeah. stronger it's under fired up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just got to just shock the heck out of them that, you know, how do we deal with this? <laughs> well, yeah. I guess what we've seen is our plan, you know, is they do it in all other ways other than that sort of direct confrontation, but for them to get the world government and universal religion, <coughs> they're going to come back to the threshold of genocide. Absolutely have to, uh, mm -hmm. because the Christians aren't going to go away, and even no. when they do that, we're still not going away. Yeah, nope. we'll be here to the last man. That's all there is to it. But anyways, Gary, um, yeah, that's yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got too. <laughs> um, hey, yeah, Gary, do thank you, thank you, thank you so much yes, for coming on. Thank uh, you. It was uh, it it was an honor, brother. Um, love love your book. Can't wait for the new one to come out. And uh, yeah, man, I just definitely pray for you and your family. And hopefully everything goes good with that. And you know, basically just let God's will be done with that book. And uh, like I said, where could people find you at if they need to get a hold of you or order your book, books? The best way to get a hold of me and to buy my book is through my website, the Genesis6Conspiracy.com. That's Genesis6 with the number 6Conspiracy.com. And on that uh, website, you can go to the media page and where it says to contact Gary Wayne for an interview. That's a contact for my email. So if you want to ask me a question or ask for one of the documents that I mentioned today, or if I've got a document on something else, just send me an email. It might take me a month to get back to you, but I will get back to you. If you wanted to purchase a copy, you can go to the buy now page. And on the Buy Now page, uh, if you wanted to get a signed copy, you can get it there and you click on to wherever you're located. So if you're in the U.S., you, kick, you click on the U.S. page. If you're in Canada, on the Canada page. If you're outside of Canada or the U.S., the US it's the overseas page, and I'll, and I'll send you a signed copy. From the Buy page, if you wanted to link over to Kindle to get the digital uh, book, you can do that as well. And if you wanted to click click over to barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, or amazon.ca. You can click and link directly over to buy the book from them as well. So that's the easiest way to get hold of the book. It's the best way to get a hold of me as well. 
and uh, uh, as I say, just be just be patient for me to get back to because I have a lot of emails coming in every day. And uh-huh. uh, I also have, if you're not familiar with the book, but you you wanted to look into it further, or you, you liked what I said and you wanted to look into it a little bit further, I have a generous excerpt of all 98 chapters on that website. And the new book, uh, Genesis Six Conspiracy Part Two, will be marketed from the same website. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah, 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 Gary. We'll definitely have that in the show notes uh, when Zuck uh, gets done editing and all this too. And, we'll, and yeah, we'll definitely plug that in, brother. Okay. So, um, Gary, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate you, brother. Well, thank you for uh, <laughs> for having me. Uh, hopefully, uh, we raised a few eyebrows, and hopefully, we connected a few dots for people, and maybe created a little more curiosity to dig into some things because that's what we kind of try and do. Yes, amen to that, man. Uh, is oh, yeah. you got I'm not sleeping. Yeah, I'm like, my mind's like, <laughs> I'm not falling asleep tonight. <laughs> but yeah, with that said, yeah, that's that's it. That's pretty much every question. I know I'll have more, so that there should definitely be a round two, and especially when the other yep. book comes out. <laughs> yep. Yes, it's, yes, uh, we'll definitely, definitely try to have you on for round two. Absolutely, book, anytime. Cool. Okay, guys. Hey, guys, we appreciate you. Uh, just remember, guys, uh, like in Ephesians 6, 12, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities or rulers of dark forces of this age, guys. So keep your heads up. Um, just keep pushing through. And, uh, yeah, guys, have a blessed week. So, yeah. Anything's up? Bye, everybody. We'll see you. Good night. Yeah. Just give me something to feel They know the glass is full so the drip is turned to a spill Be careful what you wish, I for sure can grant your appeal Cause when I hit you, they gon' blame me when you caught it off the field, right? I'm already cold, but I need to chill I'm here to sharpen the skill While giving us some conversations where none of us getting killed Look, that just how deep feel <laughs> I'm buying land for the rebuild Welcome to D-Field, plying in isolation <laughs> Cause finding my way in this type of nation Delaying gratification by sowing my seeds now And understanding the patience uh, The book is already written Stop skipping pages, forgive me, the mind is racing If you take away the things you think you needed Life is basic, it's a movie, a lot of them playing Satan uh, Be happy, God is free You follow truth if you follow me Just call me D, I turn the page You really think you doing something when you burning sage I done it all and it was nothing but a learning phase Yeah, that's demons casting out demons Giving yourself the power by telling God you don't need him I'm leaving all of my problems to the most high You see what God do behind the scenes and make your soul cry And you don't have to be in church with a suit and a bow tie I'm saying when you sinking, he'll be right there when you both die I call him Wi-Fi, look, it's all about connection How much did he study when you see a man was tested? How much did you give when you give a man his blessings? One of my pet peeves is saying it was manifest you can walk outside right now and get shot and die any second It's two things I pray for and that's peace and protection Did you guess it? <laughs> and I ain't saying go believe the reverend I'm saying my praying hands are a secret weapon I kept one for many years Struggles are souvenirs I see we not moving then that's the reason I disappeared Cause I'm on a mission to break loose in my future years Even if it looks super weird I should be the one Lucifer But can you tell me? <laughs> That isn't something wrong with me Cause I'm able to find peace Without walking on the beach stress free I look at life like you should Cause everything you think is bad Might be good Understood? Hold on